guys, welcome back to the show. Today's episode is an open discussion on the Randall Lee Smith story as I sit down and talk with one of my best friends, Josh Farrell, who, if you don't know already, voiced Randall in the series. I hope you all enjoy. We pretty much talk about everything. So, uh, here we go. This is your host, Justin, and today we have the voice of Randall in this uh, podcast series, Josh Farrell. Hello. I'm glad glad to be here. So just for uh, people's information, at first we wanted to do this project visually, and we thought, you know, with COVID during times, it'd be hard to get uh, people to come and see it, like the premieres and everything, and just filming locations in general. <clears throat> um, so we made it into a podcast series. But, you know, it came out pretty well, I thought. <laughs> yeah. And today we're going to, go in depth with it a conversation rather than a narration and we have a list of things we will discuss um starting out the motive what do you think josh oh man i think this guy was just like a horribly messed up guy I think some things that we'll get into earlier, you know, because I don't think there's, I don't think there's an excuse for the behavior. Mm -hmm. I think there's an explanation for it. Right. And I think that's kind of goes into the motive. Maybe some, maybe he's just a real angry guy, you know, Um, something, something like that. Something along those lines, just cause just, uh, just his whole, feelings and you know his reactions to you know the things that we're going to get into kind of shows that that is the ideal type for that kind of person yeah um so him as a kid doing this uh the story i found out some things that a lot of people didn't know Um, the reason why he was, I mean, being a, I guess, true crime junkie, um, you kind of think, oh, there's something that happened to him as a kid is the reason why 
he did all those things. <clears throat> well, after interviewing several people, um, there were claims that uh, him and his mother had a sexual relation together. Um, there was one interaction where somebody was telling me uh, he was hanging out with a bunch of friends and he said, well, if I didn't have sex, if I didn't get any sex today, I'll just go home and have sex with my mother. He must have been maybe teenager at the time, but I think episode one, I mentioned that his mother used to dress him up in female clothing. So I don't know if he enjoyed doing that or it was just a uh, abusive type thing. If those claims are true, then yeah, I can see why he's, he was like that. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, you know, there's, there's, there's the physical abuse aspect, but there's also the possible mental abuse that goes in with that, which is probably Mm -hmm. almost assured at that point, you know, and not only from maybe his mom, but from others that have surrounded him, Mm -hmm. uh, I would think that that would be a possibility. I mean, you just look at the time period and the resources for help or the resources to get a child or a teenager out of that situation doesn't really exist at the, at that time. Um, yeah, like you said, back in the day in the eighties and people's mindsets were, um, a lot different from nowadays. Nowadays yeah. we are more uh optimistic and open about uh whatever. And if he really did dress up as a female and maybe had to go out into the public like that, people back then were probably like, Hey, why are you dressed up like that? You're a you're a man. And, and the reaction is probably a lot worse than the reaction you just gave of, yeah. you know, probably just very mentally you know just the you know we look at it now the same things that were or things that were said back then are no way appropriate now and there was just slang terms oh yeah during that time so you know that probably just laid and laid and laid and laid on him yeah for years and years to come and i'm guessing growing up and uh dealing with all that to me his problem he was sexually disturbed because um in may 1981 when he did kill susan and robert uh there was never uh solid evidence that he did rape susan there from the research i read uh there was bruises around the va- vaginal area, but they did say there was not enough evidence to prove that he actually did it. <clears throat> but in the book, uh, Murder on the Appalachian Trail by Jess Carr, uh, it could have been, it probably was fictional, maybe not. But in the book, he seemed to have a uh, connection. He had a connection, not Susan to her and when robert came and met up with him 
he came off a little uh, aggressive towards Randall. I guess, uh, I guess that made Randall upset, and he assumed that maybe Robert was Susan's lover because in the book they are lovers, but uh, that might have been fictional as well. <clears throat> so, growing up, it it seemed like he never had that love or had a relationship with a female because he was known as Lion Randall. So he would lie like, oh, I have a girlfriend back in wherever, or I'm going to go see my girlfriend. And nobody believed him. So I think he was sexually disturbed. And when he got out of prison, uh, I think in, in episode one, Sherman was like, Sherman Smith, his neighbor, he said, yeah, he when he came back, he was a talkative guy. Apparently, he was a shy guy before he he committed the crime. So, and you got to think maybe maybe going to prison, getting this publicity, uh, and having people know about him and get that attention. You know, it could be an attention lacking thing uh, right. that he got up to that point where after he killed, uh, killed them people took an interest in him, which he had never had to that point. And that probably explains a lot of the lying of being like, Oh yeah, I I have this girlfriend, you know, I'm going to go visit her. It's like, yeah, whatever. Yeah. Just to try and get the people's attention and get maybe some sort of normalness, maybe Mm -hmm. out of a, out of his situation. And he would tell Sherman Smith uh, that he never did commit those crimes. Like he never did do that. But um, at an interviewing, going back to sexually disturbed, um, after interviewing some other people, uh, there was one interaction where he was walking outside and he came up to the person and he said, or he had ripped jeans or ripped pants, revealing his penis. And on his penis was a quote unquote cock ring. <laughs> And his leg was raw. So (laughs) I'm assuming he was ferociously masturbating. Yeah, he, it, man, I think, you know, that is all kind of playing into that. uh, You know, there has to be some sort of sexual trauma that he experienced, Mm -hmm. um, you know, in his childhood something severe probably it happened a lot more than just one time mm-hmm. you know especially if he's being dressed up as a girl there could be maybe there's some you know not understanding his own gender identity right at, at that point you know not he's on a path of maybe not knowing who he is or anything like that um along those along the lines of psych- psychologically mm-hmm. uh just having a true crisis that's a big thing nowadays as kids. Um, a lot of parents are, you know, you could be whatever you want to be. And at that time, you know, maybe he was like, well, mom, I have a, I have a penis and you're dressing me up like a, like a female. I don't understand. Yeah. <clears throat> and, and, you know, we don't know what his mom was doing. Right. 
you know, through that time, you know, you can only assume, but you can just look at what happened to just other serial killers, you know, and other cases where they have a similar story of a family member molesting them, maybe even beating them. And that's, that's a possibility, you know, of her being like beating it into him that you're my daughter. Right. And you're going to act that way or something, you know, this is all speculation, yeah. honestly, but. Because it's crazy because there was nobody that uh, said anything bad about Loretta, his mother, that she was, she seemed like a normal person, but don't you think it's kind of weird that while he was in prison for 15 years that she only came to see him once? I mean, that's, we don't know what happens behind closed doors. Yeah. I mean, I think we all can look at maybe the past two or three years. I mean, look at Harvey Weinstein, Mm -hmm. you know, did, was there, there was the Hollywood who knew that he was a disgusting pedophile, you know, rapist, Mm -hmm. but to the mass public, you know, that wasn't, we didn't know that. Yeah. You know, we weren't there. And to us, it was, just, he's a Weinstein production guy. You know, that's, that's who he is. You know, you don't even really know about him. Yeah. And yeah. once, you know, you kind of peel it back and you can reveal more, you realize how disgustingly creepy people can be. And I feel like that's probably what happened in this situation, you know, mm-hmm. um, because you're right. Why would you, you know, only go visit your son once in prison? Right. Um, and I'm not saying she did. Oh, obviously it's speculation. Yeah. But, and I'm not, I'm not, I'm also not saying that she, because Sherman Smith, his brother was, uh, I think he said he was an ambulance driver or he worked in the medical field and he went up to, uh, the Wapiti shelter on the trail and discovered the bodies and Sherman said that there's no way that Randall uh, could have done, could have moved these bodies the way he did alone. I'm not saying she was involved. Yeah. But the fact that she didn't come and seem in prison more than once and tried to maybe stay away from everything, you know, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. You don't want to get too close to the rat trap. Right. <laughs> you know, right. you don't want to get you don't want to get that to come down on you. Right. So and, and we can look at it, you know, you can look at it from a whole bunch of different ways. You know, he was a kid when a kid could just go, you know, a, a guy could pick up and leave his family and go 20 minutes away and start a whole new life at this time. Yeah. So who's to say that he didn't get into some trouble just being out, mm-hmm. you know, just kind of having that freedom? Yeah. You know, this is a completely different time period that we're looking at, and it could have happened from by anybody, from anybody, you know, mm-hmm. anybody, you know, that's that's the thing. And I think we do tend to look at, like, the people that are closer to him just because, you know, you like we were talking about earlier with serial killers, like, it more than likely is their family member that has done it to them and kind of read this way. But it's not all the time, obviously. Right. right. And it's pretty crazy that nobody knew where his father was, but Sherman Smith told me uh, that 
he started a new life in Maryland. <laughs> I don't know if he's still alive or he's dead. About how long um, after that? Like, when did he pick up and leave and go to Maryland? When he left Loretta and Randall when Randall was six months old, I believe. Yeah, so okay. Very young, yeah. Yeah, very, very young. And yeah. that, you know, not having... Because he didn't really have a father figure in his life, right? He had his uncle because that's where he had his fascination with the wilderness. His uncle would take him on the trail and up in the woods and stuff like that. I don't know if his uncle is still alive. I think they, he used to live in the same area. Yeah. Ingram village. But, you know, I mean, what if you're growing up and everyone's calling you a bastard or something, you know, or just being like, Oh, you're not good enough to have your dad around. Yeah. You know, having to deal with the effects of not having, you know, the actual father, you know, mm-hmm. be in, be there. Right. Um, let's see. And even the laminated uh, pornographic magazines, um, when I interviewed Mark Skidmore, he didn't see any... Uh, anything like that when he investigated back in 2008 but it was all over articles uh in the 1981 case that he did have them so i think the reason why he was is the sexually disturbed yeah and i think my thoughts i think his mother did a lot more sinister stuff than what people thought. So, yeah, I think that's a, I mean, I think it's a fair guess, mm-hmm. uh, a fair, a fair explanation as to why maybe he turned out the way he did, mm-hmm. you know, and maybe he could have had, could have just been born with a mental illness, you yeah. know, um, he could have just had some issues like that, you know, that just, uh, and especially during this time, you know, there's no, there's literally no mental health services that are going to help you or, you know, yeah, get you or get you the help you need, no resources of that nature. So, you know, there's, there's always that, you know, he could have just suffered it's, from. It's crazy because, you know, you could have a background of dark stuff that happened to you. And you can go and kill or rape, or you could just be born and have no motive or have no, uh, you know, you just do it. Yeah. I mean, there's people, that's what's crazy to me. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, there's people who could be born with, you know, no emotional attachment to anything, you know, and just have that cold calculated, like, Oh, I don't feel anything when I do this. And then there's people who could go into blind fits of rage who, you know, suffer dearly from what they did into this, yeah. in this, in this issue, you know, um, like schizophrenia, <laughs> like it's hereditary. I mean, you can have schizophrenia and you don't even know that you're, that you did what you did. Yeah. I mean, there's, I, I, it just, that's what sucks about, about things that happened so long ago is that, you know, maybe being able to analyze him now or being able to look at his brain now, you know, we might be able to get a better, better look at things of, right. of this poor guy. But again, you know, like I said in the beginning, there's, 
you know, I don't, there's no excuse, mm-hmm. you know, I wouldn't take that away from the families because it's tragic and it's awful yeah. and there's no, there's literally no excuse for it. But again, there's, you know, no one really does anything for no reason. You know, there's when people say no motive, well, maybe there's something mentally going on with this person that made them do it. You know, yeah. there's always a reason for the, for the crime that's taken place, whether yeah. it be, you know, you've planned it out for months and months and years or whatever, or it's just the span of I'm doing this right now. Yeah. That, that sudden. And you mentioned the victims and I have, uh, uh, the information in front of me, uh, Robert Mountford Jr. was 27 at the time. Um, he was a social worker at the center of, for the disturbed and mentally challenged youth in Ellsworth, Maine. Um, he was known for being a talented rock climber, former wrestler. Oh, wow. Big brute of a man. He sounds great. Yeah. <laughs> Outdoorsman. And Susan Ramsey was also a social worker in Maine. Mm. And their, their plan on hiking in the Appalachian Trail was to raise money f- for the school. And Robert's mother was actually the uh, – she's the one that ran the school. Oh, wow. <clears throat> yeah. And Susan was known as – her nickname was known as Susu or Smiley because she always had a smile on her face. So. Uh, that's awful. Yep. Um, we also wanted to talk about the, uh, the witchcraft stuff. Yeah. (laughs) Because that's when this story takes a turn to just pure bizarre. Is this fully religiously motivated, motivated? Right. Like, is he trying to sacrifice or something like that you know because that completely changes everything what we were just talking about you know is that if he's gotten into something that um you know that he was able to be tricked into or yeah you know just really believed in it um because mark was telling me when me and uh noah went um that he has saw the wiccan religion in prison quite often Hmm. like a lot of inmates uh practice that religion and i don't know how he got introduced to the to the to the religion but let me read off what the wiccan religion is about wicca is a modern movement rooted in the cult and primarily practiced in the West. It's based on pagan practices and beliefs common in Western and Northern Europe before Christianity took root in the area around the Middle Ages. Followers of modern Wicca are primarily women, and due to the religion's focus on female power and goddess worship, Wicca is rooted in the old English word wiki, which means to bend or shape nature to your service. Now, when I read that, <laughs> I was like, I got chills because the correlation with the Appalachian Trail and his yeah. obsession with the wilderness. Yeah. And that was before he went to prison. Like he was he was in love with 
the Appalachian Trail. <clears throat> so maybe when he got introduced to the the religion in prison, he was like, this is it. This this is what this is my calling. <laughs> wow. He's trying to get, you know, nature to bend to his will. Yeah. I mean, maybe that's the place that he feels the most comfortable at, yeah. you know, or, or it obviously is if he feels he's most comfortable in nature. It's like, maybe I'm going to try and control this, yeah. control all this. And he maybe. used he used the wilderness to his advantage in killing Robert and Susan. Yeah. Yeah. And he's an, an experienced guy yes. in, in the wilderness, you know, I mean, not saying that uh, that he, you know, just decided, you know, this, this could have been premeditated of being like, oh, I've been up there a thousand times. Right. It's like, if I was going to do this, you know, how many times have you been up there and been like, if I'm going to do this, how am I going to do it? Right. You know, I'd, maybe I'd come from here and do it this way. You know, he could have been up there just plotting it and, <laughs> you know, and just try to make it his own, his own thing. Well, when he, uh, he went missing in 2008. They found evidence of him storing 30 some knives. Yeah. <laughs> like how many, like, why do you need all those knives? Yeah, man. I mean, why do you need all those knives? <laughs> I'm. Let me, I'm trying to find more uh, about this. Let's see. Wiccans revered the elements, earth, air, fire, and water, along with the fifth element of spirit, which is present, which is present in the other elements. Consequently, environmentalism is often, let's see, also says harm none. So he obviously went against his religion. Yeah. <laughs> I was about to say, maybe, you know, that's why he got into the Wiccan stuff. So, you know, if, if one of the only things that he had that made him feel safe and comfortable is the outdoors, then you're going to be attracted to something that's going to promote that lifestyle for you. Mm -hmm. And that's probably why I did it is it was the most relatable thing to him rather than, you know, Christianity or anything like that. Right. And I'm also reading, uh, they believe in karma. So if he would to harm, if it says to harm none and he killed two people and he attempts to kill two other people, the car wreck back in 2008 pretty much killed him. Yeah. So came back to him. And, and man, he, he very well could have just been, you know, picking the parts of the religion that he wanted, mm -hmm. you know, and which a lot of people do that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. I think the Romans, every time they conquered somebody, they're like, we'll take all of this and we'll add it to us. And you can't do all this other stuff, but we'll, you can still do the stuff that we like about right. your religion. Right. You know, so a hundred percent is, you know, he could have just been like harm none, but no, but I will control all the elements that are in there. <laughs> yeah. I'd much rather have that part. Yeah. So the whole witchcraft thing is just fascinating to me. And after reading that, it just, it kind of connects to every, everything. 
So let's see. I wanted to read off um, people who interacted with Randall on the uh, Facebook group. Let me see if I can find that. So this guy commented, he grew up in Ingram Village. I remember him as quiet and reserved, did not hang out with other kids, had a basketball goal in my driveway. He would come to watch us play, but never participated. Statement above says a former resident of Giles County, he lived in Giles County when he died, as far as I know. Um, So yeah, going back to his childhood, he was just a reserved kid. Yeah, I'm uh I'm looking at his Wikipedia page right now. Mm-hmm. And I think what's really strange about him as as a whole is his existence to the area. Because I think if you were to look at just Randall Smith and you were to think of Parisburg when you think of Randall Smith, you wouldn't actually get the true identity of the place. You yeah. wouldn't get you wouldn't at all. Right, And I think that he's just a product of the bad part of the area, especially at the time of not getting, um, not to backtrack or anything, but just to throw that out there of this is kind of what happens when the system isn't designed to help people or there is no system designed at all. Mm. And I think that if his mom was abusing him, like we said, um, that could have been a big, a big, you know, a big part of it that there was no one there kind of help him, especially, you know, if his, you know, if he didn't have a father figure around or anything like that, except for his uncle. Mm-hmm. Um, but the Wiccan stuff, again, you know, I think that kind of leads more into he could have been maybe rebellious. What if he was looking at this like, oh, everyone around me is going to be um, like Christian. Mm-hmm. I'm going to be a Wiccan and I'm going to try and control the forces of nature to get back at all the people who call me Lion Randall and who do this. You know, you you get deep in, you, tr- you know, when you try and get deep into the mind of someone like this, you know, what if the two people he killed up there are the embodiment of all the people who have been so mean so cool to him you know which is probably what happened exactly they they were just two people who are you know learning that they're social workers and really were robbed you know the the world was robbed of their presence you know all because the selfishness of of this you know but it goes deeper than just the selfishness of randall smith it's all the people who helped contribute to that monster you know, I feel like there's a lot of people who are just as guilty, you know, in that sense of helping build this monster than to maybe give him the help he needs or, you know, just common decency goes a long way manners, yeah. you know, going around calling someone lying Randall whenever you realize that they have issues probably isn't the nicest thing to do. So what you're saying is the the society around him, uh, I guess, paid a paid a didn't. It didn't create him. No. I'm not saying it created him. What I'm saying though is it helped it it helped him get there. 
Yeah. It you built, know, I think built a spark. There were things that I think you look at all the things that happened to him that were out of his control. Okay. That's not his fault, mm -hmm. but the people who are around him, who are maybe pushing him, bullying him, you know, maybe he's getting beat up on the street. You know, people are just like, oh, he's an idiot. Let's beat him up real quick because that happened in that yeah. time, you yeah. know, for as ridiculous as that sounds in 2021, it's a very real thing that happened in that time. So yeah. who's to say that all that just built up to the point where he's like, like I said, uh, he went up, maybe he went up there a thousand times and scoped it out and all that's like, this is where I'll do it. Right. You know, this is where I'll do it. And, you know, unfortunately these two great people get caught in that crossfire. Yeah. And like people need to realize that what you do to somebody else, you don't know what they're going through. Yeah. People just have to be smarter before they, you know, bully or uh, do something that will hurt someone. Mentally. Yeah, it, it, exactly. It's like you, why, why go all that, you know, put all that extra energy into, you know, being rude to this guy mm -hmm. um, or being mean to him or whatever, regardless of if you found him annoying or, any you know just anything like that you know it's just as easy to say nothing than to say something mm -hmm. you know so that's the that's you know that's kind of how I might look at it just right. from being in the area I think that he's a product of the worst part of the area mm -hmm. you know I think that's a hundred percent what it is you know there are things out of his control like we talked about but maybe so you know yeah. maybe maybe this area maybe that or the area did the some of the people in the area are just you know the poverty or anything like that just being in a different class level mm -hmm. than others you know i mean you you that's yeah and it's just crazy that us a, a bizarre story like this was in our hometown <laughs> yeah the same area not the exact same area mm -hmm. But you look at like, you know, Parisburg and Pembroke and all of Giles County, you know, the same area where Dirty Dancing was filmed. Right. You know, the same. The, it's two places where, you know, you have one of the best movies ever made. And then, you know, a murder that, you know, really encaptured or enamored a lot of people, mm -hmm. you know, a lot, like a lot of crime junkies. You know, I think looking at the Wikipedia page here. uh the novel murder on the Appalachian trail, which I think you mentioned. Yeah. Um, you know, dead silent, the curse of dismal Creek a season one, episode one, mm -hmm. and then also referenced in criminal minds as well. Right. You know, so he's got, you know, it, it's so big that our area that's, you know, we refer to a small town, like small town USA, you know, yep. is still in the minds of people today. Right. Um, actually, I think that's all we have. <laughs> how'd you, how'd you like being the voice of this evil person? <laughs> well, I think it was interesting. Yeah. I think, uh, in all the characters I've played, <laughs> yeah, I've never played someone like that. And going back to the beginning of this episode, uh, we're both, uh, we made three short films main street boys who killed bloodsuckers and the summer slasher yeah 
And um, Josh is a, uh, I guess he's been met the the, uh, the last three uh, projects. <laughs> yeah. So he went think, full method when it comes to audio. Yeah, yeah. I uh, what's funny is is that to record these, I actually did go in a dark room. Yeah. Yeah, and kind of tried to get myself mentally in a place to play that right uh, character, just because. Which I hope everyone likes it. I hope I <laughs> did a good Randall Smith, a Randall did. Lee, whatever. Yep. Bad guy. I think. Uh, one one last thing I do want to say is that, you know, those poor fishermen, mm-hmm. you know, those those guys. John and Scott. Yeah, those poor guys. But what a story that they have. God, how they were able to survive all that is just, that needs to be a movie in general. Yeah, that's a whole <laughs> story. Yeah, that's a whole shebang, man. I mean, I can't believe that. Yeah. And that that just goes to show, you know, when we're just we're when we were just discussing the murders that, you know, after all that time from 1981 to when this happened, I mean, gosh, yeah, that's the Wiccans, man, he, <laughs> or whatever he created. I wouldn't even say that's the Wiccans, you know, yeah. because he actively went against that religion. Yeah. So whatever he whatever he had going on, you know, I know we brought up. Maybe he had a mental illness, you know, maybe he was physically sexually abused, you know, maybe he was just a product of society that, you know, society helped create him. Um, whether it be any of those things, it's, it just goes to show that people, you know, we got to look out for people. Yes. You know, because what's so unfortunate about this whole situation that really bothered me just from the beginning is that we lost really two good people who were trying to do a lot of good things all because one person didn't get the help that they needed. Yep. And two others lives were drastically changed and scarred for forever all because of that. Exactly. And that's something we have to keep in mind is, you know, we can label these people off as, Oh, they're just evil. They're just murderers. They're just that, but that's a cop out. Mm-hmm. You know, like I even, said, even the justice system. Yeah. He got a plea agreement. They yeah. come out of prison. Yeah. 15 years and he killed two people. Like, what is that? Yes. He immediately showed that, like, yeah, we shouldn't have done that. Yeah. You know, I mean, and he, he wasn't, I don't think he was categorized as mentally insane at the time. So he didn't go and get treated for it. Yeah. He just stayed in prison. Yeah. You know, that he didn't go to, uh, like, what is that? Yeah, yeah, exactly. There was no, the ball was dropped so many times. Yep. In this whole, in this whole thing, mm-hmm. you know, I think it's just, uh, it's sad. It's a sad story all around. Yep. You know, from beginning to end is that, you know, but maybe he did get his karma when he wrecked his truck. Yeah. When yeah. I read that, I was like, it makes sense. <laughs> so did they do an autopsy? Like, did they say what killed him? Or It was a blood clot. Oh, blood clot. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. That probably is. And what, they they took him, they didn't even take him straight to the hospital, right? They went, he, they, he went to the Roanoke Hospital, then uh, to his jail cell, and he died oh, wow. in his jail cell. Yeah, they were bringing wow. him food, and he was man. unresponsive. Man, I wonder, man. I wonder how they didn't catch that, but also 
times change so much. Like I said, this is 2021. So yeah. You can look at it from a very, I've learned that when we look at things, even back in the eighties, early nineties, you know, it's very easy to look at things from a very hypercritical yeah. uh, set of glasses, you know, yeah. set of eyes. It's, it's pretty rough to look back and be like, what do you mean you didn't catch this in 1981? You know, DNA wasn't used until like 1983 or so. 90s, I think. The nineties. Yeah. So that's the thing. It's like, they said that there was bruising around her, the vaginal area. Right. Yeah. I mean, can't send off you know the panties or anything or any of the clothes or any of the stuff like that off to get dna if there is no dna right and you actually might be right back in the 80s i don't know the exact i thought mark skidmore said and i could be wrong that didn't he go to like one of the dna yes classes and rich he was introduced the idea of uh yeah so there you go i mean that's that's another thing you said that the was it Sherman's brother was worked for EMS? Yes. Yeah. And said that there's no way he could have moved those alone. Right. What if he didn't, you know, what yeah. if there would have been something different if we did have DNA, maybe there is another person in this case. Right. You know, just because times have changed so much. It's so, like I said, easy to look back and be so critical, but you know, I think with what they had at the time, you can only, you know, yeah, they got the right guy. At least they got, you know, because the evidence shows it's pretty clear yeah yeah you mentioned um people's character back in the 80s and we have nowadays we have more of a uh we have definitely a more open society yeah and we know we know how to uh i guess analyze people better yeah because you know growing up it was of course he was probably bullied and this and that you yeah. remember in high school when we were never bullies mm-mm, um mm-mm. growing up in high school you know you'd see some kids getting bullied and it's crazy and it's sad to think god if he keeps getting bullied there's going to be something bad you, school shooting yeah you know yeah it's it's very it's very scary because people, you know, they say sticks and stones, you know, may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. Yeah. But there have been, you know, you don't have to beat somebody up to put them in a position to do something like that. Right. Because, you know, you, you, you said, you know, man, they keep getting bullied. What if they shoot up the school or something? Well, what if they kill themselves? You know, exactly. there's no reason for that. Yeah you know there's and no it's so reason. sad that we thought of that stuff still, still to this day but back in high school we were like something's gonna happen to this guy or he's gonna do something well you gotta think when we were in high school school shootings weren't prevalent yeah i remember being in one of the art classes and watching the newtown connecticut shooting happen yeah, yeah. you know i mean and it seems like once we graduated, there was one like every two weeks or every month. Or it was getting so bad. So yeah. astronom- so astronomically high, it started to become a statistic and not like an event. Right. You know, that's that's the scary part. And, you know, I've said this plenty of times throughout this. I'm not trying to make excuses for Randall. You right. know, I'm not trying to do that. That's inexcusable. You know, we lost really two good people who could have probably drastically changed the world. You know, we will never know. We'll never have that chance. But there is an explanation there. And there is a reason why. And 
like I said, it could have been the area, you know, helped create this monster. That's the thing. We're not defending him, but we're informing people. We're informing people that people are a product of their environment. We're, we're going into the possibilities of what could have made this, made this happen. Yeah. You know, this is analytical. This isn't a saying, this is fact. Yeah. You know, this is from the two podcasts that Justin made, which are really, really good. Appreciate it. <laughs> going through there and then picking out the pieces of what we think. And we also live here, <laughs> you yeah. know, I mean, my, my, when I asked my mom and my grandmother, you know, they knew, they knew about it. You yeah. know, they've lived here their entire lives. So this is something that's been a staple. Mm-hmm. You know, it's something that we know about. And, you know, I'm not, I'm not saying, well, I am saying, yeah, I'm saying that this, this area could, could allow that to happen. They, mm-hmm. they could, there are people there, you know, as there's people everywhere. Yeah. You know, yeah. that's, that's the thing here is that our area is no different from any other area. You know, there's good and bad people everywhere. And, you know, when we were talking about in the 80s or, you know, even in the 70s, really, as a teenager and as a kid, 60s, 70s, he, you know, there there is no protection. No, you know, you don't have there's. And also, I don't feel like now in 2021, I feel like you have people looking out for you. Yeah. You know, even if people aren't looking out for you, I mean, people are self-aware, you Mm. know, we're we're you know, I see if I see a kid out in public, you know, like. I went to the zoo in DC mm-hmm. and a guy had left his kid outside of the bathroom just by himself while he went in there. And I was like, damn, man, I'm going to watch this kid and make sure he doesn't get snatched up by somebody. Cause I watched the whole thing happen. Wow. And maybe in the sixties or more than likely in the sixties or seventies, it's like, that's probably just his uncle. Yeah. There's, there's some sort of explanation for this, but hindsight man and being able to look at things super critically that stuff didn't happen then they had no reason to be vigilant right and we do we have plenty of reason to be vigilant now yeah well josh thanks for being on this episode yeah thanks (laughs) thanks for having me i really i really enjoyed it yeah man we'll have to definitely do more (laughs) yeah for real um once again i just want to uh pay tribute to the victims um robert malford jr susan ramsey and then the surviving victims scott johnson and uh sean farmer yeah may may they rest in peace and for the two guys i really hope that they you know have found peace and have been able to live a very normal and unaffected life by this yep josh once again thanks for being involved with this and Many more to come. Yeah, I'm very, very excited. This is really cool. Yeah, I'm man. excited to be a voiced, voiced role. I hope I get renewed for the second episode. I hope I can find a, a new role in some <laughs> way with somebody. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, but yeah, it's cool. Definitely have that. an in-depth conversation like this again. Yeah, I mean, it's nice. I think this is really cool because it is detailing you know, an area very specific to us. And I'm sure to all the people listening, you know, this is, this is their area too.
end. Thanks for listening to this episode and episodes. I greatly appreciate all the people for the support. Especially to Josh Farrell, who played Randall in the series, and for Noah Parton, who came along for an interview, as well as making the theme song to this series. You can catch Noah with his music on all platforms by searching N.A. Patron. Thanks to Sherman Smith, who I interviewed, as well as Mark Skidmore. Thanks to all the others I've spoken to about this story. I would love if you all would rate and comment on Apple Podcasts, as well as subscribe to the show. It would help get through the algorithm and lead me up the charts. If you don't know already, I have another podcast called Unhelpful Advice with my co-host Hunter Stevers, where we talk society and culture. Not so much of a dark podcast show like this one. (laughs) Check us out there. Lastly, watch your back. It's cryptic out there. Yeah, no.